Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis. America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis mortgage mastery mentor and head chick in charge of kinetic spark consulting hello everyone and welcome back to this episode i'm your host jen duplessis i am excited and delighted to have our next guest with us this week who is mike wolf and i had this wonderful opportunity to meet mike two-day intensive that he and i were doing in san diego for speaking from the stage. And as soon as he said he was something to do with real estate, my ears perked up and I said, we have to talk, we have to talk. So let me take this opportunity to introduce him to you really quickly. He's a self-made freedom lifestyle entrepreneur, which is right up my alley. Seasoned investor and international speaker. He's been investing in real estate for almost 30 years and has been involved in several other entrepreneurial um, adventures. He has extensive background in business, investing in both US and Canada loves talking to people about real estate, but he also has a great story on how this all kind of happened that he jumped into real estate and how he's grown this big empire of him. And so really he loves helping people realize their dreams so that they can do what they love to do every single day. And boy, doesn't that sound just like me. So welcome Mike to the show. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. For those of you that are listening here, when I have one of my workshops, if we ever get out of coronavirus, which is when we're recording this, I, we were talking today about a disclaimer that all of us will have about how we look and we're working from home. But Mike's going to be on stage at one of my events. So listen closely. And if you're interested in participating in one of the events, you'll be able to meet him in person. So Mike, I'm just delighted to have you. So one of the things that I want to start off with today is your story. So let me just kind of rephrase this. Tell us a little bit about something interesting or something that was very challenging early on in your life that has really created who you are today. Yeah, well, I think we go way back to grade 12 when I was in high school. Yeah. I literally did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And my parents were always saying, you should be a doctor, lawyer, doctor, lawyer, doctor, lawyer. And so by default, I don't like blood, so doctor's not in the cards. And so I thought I'd become a lawyer. And for anybody who knows me, they know I'm very non-argumentative and non-confrontational, so I probably made a really bad lawyer. So anyway, I went to the university to get my first degree, racked up a whole bunch of student loans, and then decided, you know what, before I go back and get my second degree, I'm going to get these things paid off. And a friend of mine, his mother was a manager at the phone company, which back then was union and government, and it paid really, really well. So got a job there and 
while I was there, I bought my first principal residence and I got a call out of the blue one day from my mortgage broker saying, hey, if you want, I can get you another mortgage if you want to buy another home. I remember thinking, why would I want another home? <laughs> and most people, they don't make that call. They don't say, hey, do you want to create some wealth? First thing about real estate investing, but I thought, it was very scientific. So I thought, well, if I'm going to buy another home, I should get it close to the one I live in so that it's really easy for me to collect rent. So that was really my due diligence. Probably two and a half years after I bought these two properties, the market took off. And all of a sudden, I was sitting on like way more money than I ever uh, thought I would see back in those days, coming from being a starving university student. Right. And that was how I launched my real estate investing career, totally by mistake. And so whenever I meet people and say, oh, they think I came out of the womb as a real estate expert. You know, they always say, well, of course you can do it, Mike, because they just think that I was born with some natural talent and nothing could be further from the truth. I didn't even have any interest in it until I got that first paycheck. And then I became very interested in it. Hey, if I could do this by mistake, what would happen if I did it on purpose? Only problem was back then I was in my mid-20s and, you know, my ego back in those days, is like real estate investing. I'm obviously an expert at this. And so I quickly quit my job. And also my parents were really encouraging me to continue to get my second degree before I had the first one paid off. And so I called them up and said, I don't need anything to fall back on. I'm a real estate investor now. And on the next couple of deals, I managed to lose almost all of what I made on those first couple of deals. I, back then, I you know, told me that I did it because I was skillful. But what I ended up learning very humbly is that I got really lucky with my timing and couldn't really duplicate it. As I managed to lose most of that money, I took what little I had and I started to get mentors. You know, going from being a know-it-all to a learn-it-all, I would not be here having this conversation with you right now. So that was my initial struggle to get into industry by mistake. And it was a very good mistake. I definitely had some humbling lessons along the way. Well, and I imagine that those lessons, and I want to talk about how you then re-entered, right? Imagine that those lessons really formed who you are in the second go around, right? And we all have those lessons in life too, where mm-hmm. it changes the way that we see the world and the way that we make decisions. So you started doing this, at, you were what, 19, 20, 21? Yeah, it was more like 23-ish, I would say. I didn't start until after my first degree, so I probably would have been you know, 23, I'm thinking. Right. And then yeah. the success for a couple of years, and then you kind of laid low. I didn't even have the success for a couple of years. I just, when I had a conversation with my mortgage broker, how he explained it is, well, you buy a property, and you put a tenant in there, and then over time, your mortgage gets paid off, and in the long term, that's your retirement. And I go, right. that makes sense. But once I got a taste of that success, and I got that paycheck, it was two years later, two and a half years, let's say, when I actually exited that property. I went from having this long-term approach to, oh, if I want to quit my job, I got to be able to do this every 60 days. I didn't really know how I was going to do it. I just knew that I didn't want to keep working at the phone company. And I had already told my parents that I'm not listening to you. I'm not going back to school. Once I started to screw up, I couldn't go back to the phone company because I burnt that bridge and I couldn't go back to my parents to tell them they were right. So I had to figure it out. Yeah, I love that. That was one ceiling that you broke through. That's so important to break through that ceiling and then learn lessons on the backside of it. And then you got a mentor and you started doing it the right way. So when you started doing it the right way, the second time around, which is now what you're doing today, did you have a very slow methodical approach to it now that you had that knowledge or did you go gangbusters just like you did the first time? Well, it was kind of a combination. And so I started to do some flips, but properly. Mm -hmm. Because the first one was meant to be a buy and hold. And then I decided, oh, well, I know how to do buy and hold. So, of course, I know how to do flips. And so, I neglected to back the property, a lot of due diligence that I didn't do. I didn't do diligence on the first one, and it works. 
I basically hired somebody who that's what he did. He flipped homes. And I basically said, Hey, I've got a little bit of money left. What if we do a deal together? I'll put up the cash. You teach me as we go and we'll split the paycheck. And that made all the difference. But over, over time, if we were to fast forward, if we were having this conversation 15 years ago, by then I was very successful financially, but I was working my butt off. I was working, you know, 14, 15 hour days and wasn't there for my daughter growing up nearly as much should have been and would have loved to have been. And so I've had a lot of different lessons along the way at different points. And I'm glad that I had them because I think they either knock you out of the business or they make you better at what you do. And also more humble. If every deal worked out, I'd probably be a really big jerk right now. So if I needed some of those lessons, to get knocked down. But now I'm very empathetic. When I meet somebody whose passion is to get into real estate investing, I'm very sympathetic and I actually will take the time to give them some tips and try to help them out and basically show them what not to do, the things that I did wrong. Here's what not to do. So, Right. And that leads us to what you're doing now. I mean, you do have courses that you're teaching real estate investors how to do it the right way. And that's really your transition from being successful to how do I impact other people and make that a passion and utilize what you struggled with that made you who you are today so that other people don't struggle either. So I imagine that's something that's really important to you is you don't want to see from anybody having to fight this and to have struggles. Exactly. And I know how difficult it is, especially when you're first starting out and nobody really wants to help you. And and a lot of people, they have this mindset that of scarcity and they think, oh, well, if I teach you, there's not going to be enough for me. And we're seeing that with toilet paper now. Right. Well, and the good thing is a lot of people don't put things into action because they don't have the right tools and motivation to do it, right? So you can teach people all the time and they won't take your business, I promise. But the other side of it is if you teach them properly, they'll have the motivation to get started, which is really what you're all about. So let me ask you, since we're talking about this at a time when our discussion would have been completely different five weeks ago, right? Based on when we're recording this. So I want to ask you twofold because I first want to say we're in coronavirus and we know that the economy is really stumbling along, crippled right now. We know that the anticipation is that it will bounce back pretty quickly because it was so strong beforehand and it's just a matter of everyone being released from jail and we all get to go out and buy things and do things and be involved. So what is your strategy as you're waiting in this? And the only reason why I'm asking this is because in the future, because these podcasts are evergreen, right? In the future, there's someone is going to be in their own recession, right? Their own situation where they're looking at this and saying, okay, now what do I do and how do I prepare? So what is your strategy right now as you're cooped up? Are you deciding, hey, I can't go look at houses, so I'm not going to buy any? And what advice would you be giving to someone right now who says, you know, look, and maybe I have to liquidate my 401k or my IRAs because the stock market was going down so badly. I liquidated them. And now what do I do with my money? Should I be investing in real estate? So let's take a look at that from the perspective of a not so good market. And then we'll go back to everything's great. How does that differ? Right. Well, I think what we're going to see when we come out of this, and, and as you mentioned, we get released. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what we're going to see is obviously there's going to be some people financially in trouble. There's going to be a lot of jobs lost. There's going to be a lot of people suffering. And so for myself, I'm looking at, at you know, different strategies I've used in the past to try and attract some of these people that are going through tough times and come up with a win-win solution for them so that you know, instead of them losing their home to the bank, you can help them have a much softer landing. And, and maybe, uh, you know, uh, as somebody who owns a fair bit of, of real estate myself, you know, maybe we're 
purchasing their home at a discount, but in return, we're putting them in, into another property. It's more affordable to them. Yeah. We're putting them in rent to own situations so they can get back into ownership. Or in some cases, maybe even loaning them money just to get them over the hump and using the home as collateral just to get them. Yeah, to have a second mortgage or something. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. the last thing we want to do is take somebody who's just gone through this lockdown of coronavirus and then kicking them while they're down. That's just not what I recommend people do. Yeah. So for people that are sitting at home that maybe aren't real estate investors, that maybe they don't know if they're going to have a job when they get out, but they have maybe a passion for it, I start educating myself and not necessarily throwing out offers just yet, but just getting the education and learning. Now we have lots, we're gifted. There's a lot of gifts coming from this virus as, as bad as the negative side to it is. There's also a positive side. We're gifted with, at least for me, a lot more spare time than I normally have. And so I'm actually, I'm still learning, building strategies for when this finishes, building teams to get ready to help with that. That's one side is helping the people that are going to be in trouble and creating a win-win and getting paid for it. The other side I see is there's a moratorium on foreclosures, which is great because I don't think people should be losing their homes under these circumstances. So there's going to be at least a six-month moratorium on foreclosures. So some of the strategies that I use in regular times are going to real estate auctions like tax deed auctions where people haven't paid their property taxes in a number of years right. and also trustee auctions where they haven't paid their mortgage. And so when you have a moratorium on something and then all of a sudden after six months, there's going to be a lot of excess yeah. inventory. Yeah. And so for people, once again, that are educated on how to do it properly, because if you go to these auctions, you don't know what you're doing. You will lose your money. So don't do that. But yeah. if you go and get yourself educated during this time that you have and get ready for what's coming down the pipeline, you could want to be helping people in pre-foreclosure before they lose it. And then once a bank does have the home, if you can't help them before, there's going to be a lot of opportunities there. So for me, I am just building teams. Yeah. I'm going to probably build some courses to help people who want to go out there and help other people. And so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You're, you're sort of staging. And I, um, I use that because my husband is a drag racer, right? But it's sort of the staging. You're getting up to that, to that light, you know, that tree that lights up and it, in just inching your way. And, you know, one of the things that, that I'm hearing that everybody talk about and that I've been talking about as well is just really hone. This is the perfect time to hone in on your soft and hard skills, the vacant or not the vacancies, but the gaps that you have in your knowledge around anything that you're trying to pursue. And I think the important thing right now is also procrastinating versus preparing, right? We can procrastinate. And if we look at, for those of you that are watching the video, you're, if we're both at the same place now here and someone's procrastinating saying, well, once we're out then I'll start doing all these things, the person who's starting to bite at this and pull through is that much further ahead of everyone so that at the speed, right, they already have the acceleration. So I love that you're sharing what you could be doing right now and finding out what specifically, and I I think this is important too, and I want to talk to you about this, um, is what specifically in real estate. I think it's so grand to say, I'm a real estate investor, but what a lot of people don't realize is there are a thousand ways to buy real estate. And if you focus on a thousand, you won't buy any, I promise. So what are some things that maybe some strategies or some thought processes around identifying what passion you have as a real estate investor, if that's something that you want to pursue? Obviously, right now, the opportunity that's coming down the pipeline, I never liked the term real estate investor. I really like the term problem solver. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a whole bunch of people coming out of this with various different uh, issues, many of them financial, obviously. And I think it's an opportunity for people who want to create win-wins. And that's all I ever teach. I never teach you somebody to to take advantage of a little lady who doesn't know the value of her home, leave her. 
you should never leave money in a bad spot so you can right. make a paycheck. So but there's lots of ways to take, like I said, these people that are, maybe they didn't lose their home yet because right. they got, the government is saying they're, getting, they're not paying their rent or they're not paying their mortgage and there's a moratorium, so they're not getting foreclosed on. Well, these people are going to come up with an awful lot of stress. Some of them will not be going back to work, unfortunately. And right. so for me, for me, that's my main priority is to come up with solutions for them, uh, come up with marketing to attract them, uh, not from a perspective, hey, we buy ugly homes, more from a perspective of, hey, I can help you, bail you out of your, you know, your mess. Right. And so that's, that's my main priority, but also I've specialized in tax deeds and foreclosures for so many years. But I'd say for somebody who's watching this, if you don't have any of this experience, maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't, you know, I'd love to get into real estate, but I don't have a lot of money. There's a lot of strategies that require very little, yep. where you put a property under contract and you sell that contract to another investor. So there's lots of different yeah. ways, but you're absolutely right. Don't try to focus on a thousand different things. Pick one, get right. really good at it. And after you do that, then progress to the next thing. Yeah, I think that's interesting because, you know, my strategy has always been step investing, buy and hold, right? We just buy and hold, pay off the debt, use the cash flow to pay off the first property, then the second, then the third. We accumulated them over the years and stuff. And so that in any market, I could sell the house at any price and I may have to discount it, but I don't have a mortgage. Right. right. So it's all cash flow, right? And so step investing is something that we've done buy and hold, and we don't buy ugly places. We only buy nice places. And then the other strategy for me is buying subject to and doing wraps and sandwich lease options and things. Those, mm -hmm. That's a strategy I've taken. So, and the only reason I throw that out is because there are so many strategies most people don't know about, and you have to have a mentor to make this happen. A realtor is just fine. If you're going to buy and hold and talking to your mortgage company, that's just fine. But if you're trying to accumulate many homes with less money, then you want to maybe look into some other options other than the traditional way of buying property. So for the realtors that are listening in, and we're talking again about the you breaking through some ceilings, but we're also talking specifically about this real estate market, given the timing that we're putting this out. And um, so for the realtors that are listening in, funny thing about realtors, and you and I've talked about this online, is not many realtors own a lot of property. Right. I don't understand that. It's the product you're selling. But, but if you are a realtor and you're in coronavirusville <laughs> and you're saying, do I procrastinate or I start preparing? What are some of the things that you would recommend for them to start doing to become problem solvers for people that are most likely going to be calling them about putting their house on the market if God forbid that happens to somebody. Right. They actually have a big advantage in that they already have people calling them. People are coming to them. Both caps, if they had an investor cap and a realtor cap yeah. at the same time, they can monetize it a lot better. Like for example, if I was putting out marketing as an investor, obviously I'm looking for a good deal on the property. But if I was also a realtor, if I got to their property and they weren't willing to sell it to me at the price that made sense for me, I can say, oh, well, it doesn't make sense for me to buy as an investor, but you know what? I have this great marketing program. I'm a realtor and I can help you get your home sold quickly that way. And so it's a little bit of an advantage, but if you're a realtor and you haven't, and I used to be a realtor way, way, way back in the olden days. And what I noticed about the other realtors in my office is most of them would do the bare bones minimum education to keep their license, but they wouldn't do much more than that. Mm -hmm. And if you are willing to put in a little more effort, it can be a lot more income for you and you can help a lot more people. So for me, I would be taking this downtime when you're not, you're definitely not out showing homes, not in the traditional way. I would take that downtime to start educating yourself on different ways that you could potentially be an investor and help some of these people that are going to be distressed 
instead of just putting it on the MLS, there's going to be a lot of other ways that you could potentially help them. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just see Groundhog Day back from the Great Recession in 2007, 8, 9 coming about. And I was just reading or starting to read an article. Now they're now, they are now talking about the fact that this could have a negative impact in the real estate market. I've ha- not had that outlook, but where do you stand on that right now? As far as values going down, it, it being this big debacle. I think we're going to see obviously some corrections, not necessarily down though. Like I think I was very heavily invested back in 2006, 2007, 2008. And back then I was invested in Las Vegas and the values have dropped tremendously, but I didn't have to sell. All my properties were cash flowing. And so I held on to them. And what I was finding is the United States became a nation of renters. So a lot of people were losing their ownership in their homes and they were turning into renters. And so that actually allowed me to raise my rents and I had a much bigger selection of rental pool. It's always come back. Everything is cyclical. So I would be looking at one, definitely if you have the money to buy and hold, start buying some properties, start creating passive income. But I think some of the markets like New York, I think California that are very expensive and overpriced, they may have a correction downwards. But I think there's other markets, my favorite market's Atlanta. And I think it could benefit actually from this because when people lose everything they have and they have to rebuild, they're going to look to lower their cost of living. Yeah. And yeah. I have, I sell turnkey properties. Some of the homes start in nice areas for like $70,000. Yeah. In a place like Worker, California, that's not even a shed. That's not right. even... That's just a doghouse in the back of the house, right? Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> right. Some of the stuff going on behind the scenes is a place like Georgia, the government's very, very business friendly. And so there's a ton of head offices there. You got Coca-Cola, Turner Broadcasting, Delta Airlines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if somebody's in New York City and they just lost their job and they're traumatized because, I mean, that's the hardest hit city right now with the coronavirus, and you're looking to lower your cost of living and get a job, I think a lot of people may end up relocating to some of the places that are less expensive and they may actually correct upwards where some of these markets that are heavily inflated, they may correct downwards as people leave. Yeah, they may compress just a little bit. And we all know that there is a mass exodus out of New York, even pre-coronavirus. There was a mass exodus of people because of taxes and other things anyway. So yeah, I think that's good perspective. And I think that's something that people should consider as they're going through. As we continue this conversation, I want to talk to you about the advice that you would give to someone who's thinking about making real estate their side gig and then ultimately moving into something that's full-time. And of course you did this, but you did this as a youngster and you probably didn't have the 15, 20, 30 year career with the family and all those things to be considered. And that's part of breaking through glass ceilings, right? Is the desire to transition, but then the risk factor associated with that. So when you are working with the people that you are now, the people that are trying to learn about real estate, and some are saying, look, it's just my side gig and that's what I want. And others are saying it's my retirement and others are saying, I want it to be my retirement, but how do I make that transition? So what kind of advice do you have for them on how to not be a real estate wannabe? Because we both know about that. Everybody takes the courses and then they don't do anything. So what advice do you have on how to make that transition actually come to fruition? I think a lot of people, they don't love what they're doing. And if you're not, it makes you feel sad to think that people are doing something they're not passionate about fight rush hour traffic to get to an office where they spend eight hours a day doing something they don't love and then they fight traffic to get home. So I think right now, this may be a wake up call. Maybe there's an opportunity to create the new version of you. 
how do you want to come out of this after this virus is over? What do you want things to look like? And you can totally, now's the time to reinvent yourself. And so yeah. one thing is if real estate is one of your passions or whether you want that to be, if you want it to be your big gig, real estate can be very, very profitable. There's a lot of money in it if you do it right. And I would say, don't do trial and error. I'm not really a big fan of dabbling in yeah. anything. Like, would you go to a surgeon that was a dabbling in surgery? <laughs> Probably not. So I think everybody should invest in real estate, but not everybody should be a real estate investor. And what I mean by that is like, for example, I sell turnkey properties and a lot of my clients are doctors, lawyers, engineers. They're people that don't want to learn the ins and outs of real estate. And like times like these, if you're a lawyer and your office is shut, you still can have money coming in passively from your properties. So I think that's okay. But I think somebody wants to maybe go flip a home in their spare time. You're not, when you don't have the bandwidth and you take on a whole bunch of different things and you're a mic of all trades and you're trying to do, well, I'm going to flip a home, but I'm also going to run my business. It just doesn't work. And so I'd recommend if that's what you want to do, I'm not saying quit your job right away, but put in a lot of effort and as if that was going to be your full-time gig and make that your full-time gig yeah. as soon as you can. So don't quit your job like I did. Don't do that. But basically, I wouldn't say that you should dabble in it and just, oh, I'll just do one deal a year. Either do it really, really well and get good at it. So you're making more money doing that than whatever else you're doing or get somebody else to do it for you by buying turnkey or go full speed ahead. And, and that's your passion. Maybe that's your new version of you that happens after this is all over. Yeah, I love that advice. I think part of it is it's a hobby, not a habit, right? Where it just becomes this little hobby that someone has. And if I think that you'd be better off suited, if it's a hobby, you might as well just put your money in the stock market, but right. make it a business. It truly is a business. It's not a hobby. Um, yeah. And I think that's really, really strong advice. So Again, I want to say thank you so much for all the time that you shared with us and just hearing the basics of it. So if someone wants to get in touch with you and they're interested in what you're offering and they want to follow you, what is the best way for everyone to do that? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is mikewolfmastery.com. Wolf, just like the animal. Yeah. Or email info at mikewolfmastery. You can email me. And I've also got a YouTube channel with a bunch of free videos and just Google YouTube and Mike Wolf Mastery and that should take you there. Okay. All Mike. Wolf Mastery. All white Mike Wolf Mastery. I love that. Yeah, I know. And I just want to make sure we get the mastery in there too, so that everyone understands, you know, when in there doing it. And I know that you have a lot of webinars, little quick webinars that people can register to go to and just kind of touch, put their toes in it and see if it's something that they want. So I want to encourage everyone who's listening to take the time to just go to a two hour session to see what Mike has to offer, see what he's teaching, see if it resonates with you so that you could follow in his footsteps and really be, let him handhold you on the way because I'll tell you, it's harder to do when you're on your own than it is to have someone show you the way. So I really thank you for that as well. Um, also, so let me ask you this then. I love asking everybody about a favorite quote, a mantra that you live by or a quote that just resonates with you that you might be willing to share that maybe someone will make this their affirmation as well. Well, I think my favorite quote of all time is Henry Ford. And it's, you know, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And so if somebody would have told me, I've been doing this for 30 years, 30 years ago, if somebody would have said, oh, you'll be traveling the world, speaking on stages and teaching people. And like, I would have never in a million years imagine this. So believe in yourself, get out there and take little baby steps. And you never know what that's going to lead to. There's a time where I would have been terrified to speak on a stage. And now I love speaking on stage. And I never used to like getting in front of a camera to shoot a video. Now I love doing it. So just get out of your comfort zone a little bit, believe in yourself. And that's where the magic all happens. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. And on that note, we're going to leave this episode 
And I want to say again, thank you so much, Mike, for sharing your wisdom with us. I cannot wait for you to have 45 minutes where I'm not asking you questions, but where you're actually telling people how to get these things done on one of my stages here coming up in the next year or so. I just want to say thank you again for joining us. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Great to see you again. Absolutely. So everybody, just a reminder again, thank you so much for listening to our show. And I want to remind you that there is a new app out there called Good Pods, G-O-O-D Pods. And it's a great app where all podcasts are now being aggregated into one place. So instead of you going to Apple iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you can go to one magic place and find the iTunes that you're looking for in the interest that you're doing. So you can go in there and type real estate and all kinds of podcasts will pop up. So I want to remind everybody to please grab that app and make sure that you find this podcast and subscribe and give us your feedback and your comments and share it with other people in the group as well. And I know that Mike will be there. And so if you put something in there for this particular podcast, he'd probably respond to you and say, yeah, yes, no, and comment as well. So again, I just want to say thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.